Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective. We are outside on a beautiful day, but a busy day in New London, Connecticut, where neighbors are running chainsaws and pianos are being moved out of Zach and Laura's home. And there's Fife and Drum Corps meeting downtown. So if you hear any of this in the background, as you probably do right now, just view that as one of the joys of being in New London. America's noisiest small town. And enjoying America's greatest outdoor podcast. Yes, mm. and enjoying America's greatest, most popular niche podcast. How you doing, Zach? I'm doing well. You know, it's a beautiful day uh, sitting here with you guys. It's, uh, it's great. So, Zach, I had said recently that the last great Simpsons episode, one of them, was in season 11 with the Behind the, behind the Laughter. But in season 13... There was another great one. It was supposed to be season 12, but they did not run it because it was supposed to run concurrently with right after 9-11, which is 20 years ago today for us. And we have made the decision. We were going to talk about 9-11 in sports. We made the decision not to because after reading just tepid and horrifying 9-11 takes all morning, I just didn't think we should jump into that queue. I think you guys agreed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yep. just... yeah. Yeah, we didn't need to. We didn't need to reminisce about this. We don't need three more white guys talking about nine eleven. Nine eleven, no. Yeah. But one of the great ones is in season thirteen, in one of the episodes in which Mo changes the bar and Homer can't deal with the change of the bar. Oh, the postmodern Mo. What is, it's Pomo? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in this one, he starts a hunting club uh, in his garage so that he can serve alcohol. Yes. And he hires a band to play. Who was the band? NRBQ. No. NRBQ plays in the circle of death. Um, it's a good guess. I will say that they then provide, at the end of the episode. Is it REM? They, yes, it is REM. <laughs> they, they provide a turkey made oh, entirely of gluten. I should have gone with my first guess. <laughs> yes. Trust your instincts. Should have gone with my first, yeah. guess, first guess. It's REM. Yeah, so he, uh, yeah, he, uh, they, and they have to stop the hunting club when they have Mo makes them go hunt wild turkeys, and, and Lisa gets upset and refuses to cut any more lemons. Yes. It's a very good one. So what will you be ranting about today? Uh, I'll be ranting about the U.S. Treasury's report about how billionaires are basically stealing all of our money. You know, billionaires, the last group that we could discriminate against. The real welfare queens yeah. of our country. <laughs> how are you doing, Andrew? Uh, very well. Loving this weather. Uh, fall fall is here. Football's here. Great golfing weather. It, that too. Great shit all around. Except for the rest of the world around us is crumbling down, but this existence is okay. So about three weeks ago, I said I was going to ask you some draft questions, NBA draft questions, and then I haven't, so I'm going to today. I, as you may know, attended Columbia University in New York City, and the last player ever drafted from Columbia University in New York City was drafted in 1970 by the Lakers. And in the 71-72 season, when Elgin Baylor suddenly retired, This player took over for him, and they immediately ran off 33 consecutive wins. He also played for the Braves. He retired from the Blazers, but he also played for your New York Knicks, and he was drafted 13th in the 1970 draft. Who is this player who played for the Lakers, the Buffalo Braves, the Knicks, and the Blazers? Small forward. Traded even up for Elmore Smith. 
really uh, cutting out middle America by your Columbia <laughs> drop there. Yeah. Coastal. To be fair, I then went to Southern Connecticut yeah. State <laughs> University. I don't, I, uh, I don't have it. I don't know. Jim McMillan. Jim McMillan. Okay. If you, think, the name. That, if you yeah. think that NBA general managers are bad now, he was traded even up for Elmore Smith. Elmore Smith, in his rookie year, averaged 17.3 points and 15.2 rebounds a game. He then went to 18.3 and 12.4. In the first year, which is his last year with Buffalo, the first year that blocks were recorded as a, as a statistic, he averaged 4.85 blocks a game. And the Braves traded him even up for a six foot five small forward who, who was good from 15 feet. So that wasn't smart. No. No. No, no, no. When did he play for the Knicks? He played for the Knicks in 77 and 78. He averaged about nine, ten points a game. Yes, he took over. The idea was that he would replace Bradley. He did not. It is not the Jim McMillan Collective. No, it is not. Yes. (laughs) Well, you'll be ranting about. Uh, Tonight, or I guess, you know, the the, the dumpster fire that is Triller's latest fight presentation from the participants to the commentators. A uh, bad look all around for for boxing, bad shit. Ed, what are you what are you going to be discussing with us today? What's uh, I, I am discussing the inconceivable reality that Deshaun Watson is still on an NFL roster right now, and that somehow Roger Goodell doesn't believe that his absolute authority on this issue should be exercised for a serial rapist, allegedly. But also probably. Yeah, a fucking disgrace. And a story that I'm sure is not going to... We'll, we'll probably be talking more about it going forward, I imagine, until... Until it sounds... It's, it's still... Right. Yeah, exactly. And we're also going to be talking about another athlete who yes. ran into his share of debacle. Yeah, after the break, stay tuned. We're going to discuss the complicated legacy of Hall of Fame linebacker Ray Lewis. We'll touch briefly on his story career before getting into... Uh, his involvement in a double homicide in 2000 and kind of the, the fallout from that. It's all here next on the Bill Bradley Collective. Passing through the intersection of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Ed, and Zach. So on this Saturday afternoon, uh, we are a mere hours away from this evening's Evander Holyfield Vitor Belfort showdown exhibition. Vitor Belfort is a faded former MMA great, way past his prime. Prime, the, his career is over. He's essentially retired. Evander Holyfield is fucking fifty-eight years old. But yet, this is yet another uh, thriller extravaganza between uh, just trying to do the boxing MMA celebrity crossover thing. Holyfield was a, was a last-minute replacement for Oscar De La Hoya. This was going to be De La Hoya's like comeback, quote-unquote comeback fight, a.k.a. money grab because he's broke. Um, he tested positive for COVID, so he had to pull out. So they put Holyfield in instead. This week, leading up to this, this, this sham, um, Triller had signed Jim Lampley, formerly of NBC and HBO, uh, to be their lead blow-by-blow guy. And he's probably called more significant fights than any person in the history of the sport i would i would say at least in my and certainly in my lifetime 
Lampley didn't go there to call these shams. He went to call legitimate prize fights, which when Triller won the purse bid for Teofimo Lopez's next fight, that was what Lampley wanted to sink his teeth into. And Triller made a commitment to him that they were going to give him legitimate fights to commentate. Uh, and as, as a matter of fact, he was actually going to call uh, the De La Hoya Belfort fight, seeing as how he basically called every major fight of De La Hoya's career at HBO. Well, Jim Lampley pulled out this week. He's not calling this fight. And there's a few reasons for this. One is that Triller is going to have an alternative audio feed. Calling the fight on this alternative feed are father and son, Donald J. Trump, and Donald J. Trump Jr. I don't know what their... I, I Trump Boardwalk Hall host, hosted a lot of fights in like the 80s and 90s, I think. I can only assume he's just going to get on there and just rail... Uh, conspiracy theories. He's not going to pay attention to the actual in-ring action, of which there will be probably very little. But Triller executive Ryan Kavanaugh this week uh, told, said on the record to ESPN's Mike Coppinger that he had been in talks with Barack Obama to provide another audio feed. The uh, Obama Foundation uh, denies that Obama was ever contacted or that he had been in contact with Triller. This whole thing is just a massive dumpster fire. Like, what are we... Uh, Triller, it's brought it, 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 the, the Paul stuff. The you know, it's brought a lot of eyeballs to the sport, but it's eyeballs to a it's 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 like your eyeballs to a to a, a, a plane a plane crash a train wreck. This is just what the f- who's I mean, what is who is the who is the intended audience for a prize fight being called by Donald Trump and Trump Jr. If not just their rabid base to be fed further bullshit. Like what is, is what is Triller doing? Their audience what is, is what their, is going on. Their audience is a Vander Holyfield fans. Is there any surprise that a Vander Holyfield is the guy that Trump is calling the fight for? Like, is that surprise? He fought Mitt Romney. <laughs> true. <laughs> like, is this a surprise to anyone? You know. And the second thing is like Triller is going to kill boxing. Like Triller seems to be actively trying to kill one of the best sports that we have in America. And the third thing is. Today is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Can you imagine a former president commentating a bootleg boxing celebrity carryover instead of, I don't know, going to a memorial, doing something that's presidential? Which he was absent from this morning in New York. Which, by the way, way, for all his Chud fans who go out there and say, he's a real, he's American, he's a real president, you know, wave the flag, red, white, and blue, you can't kneel. This is kind of an important day in America, and he's calling it an Evander Holyfield fight. First of all, I have no question that Barack Obama was not involved in negotiations with Triller to cover this fight on, he, on, he, he's on September next, 11th. He's going to call the next Jake Paul fight. If you told me that he would be on a feed with Bill Simmons on, on the NCAA finals, okay. I, I, yeah, okay, I can see him wanting to do that. He's not covering this fucking thing. Secondly, this guy that's fighting Holofield, who I've already forgotten his name. Uh, Vitor Belfort. Yeah, Vito, not, not Jordan Belfort from... <laughs> no, and, not, not Leo. Wolf of Wall And, and not Vito Anafermo from uh, Marvin Hagler's <laughs> pile of, of victims. But this guy had to train to fight De La Hoya, who's going to come in at like 157, and then at the last minute, says, oh, no, no, you're going to find a Vander Holyfield. He weighs 206. Like, could you just even pretend it's a real thing? But and the other thing is, what are the chances 
that Donald Trump has had an hour-long conversation with his son since he left office. My guess is this is like Donald Jr. is doing this simply so he could see his father. And oh, this is this is the, this is the most like. I mean, if if Donald Trump Jr. was a girl, they, they would call this electric complex. But we, you know, we don't have. There's no Greek story about a a son who wants to fuck his father. Pretty much every Greek Pretty, story. Yeah, but actually, you know, Hercules, Zeus, anything with yeah. Zeus. Uh, but it it is just like there's a part of me that just kind of feels sad about this whole like this kind of just bums me out because it's just like it's a former president and his stupid son commentating on a great sport that is being bastardized by this bullshit company and it just realized it's like oh this is america in 2021 whatever timeline we're in is fucking pretty dominant this is this is when you realize that Jimmy Carter is a former president and the way he behaves as a former president. And then Muhammad Ali at 58 was not fighting MMA fighters. He fought a wrestler at 40, but he didn't fight an MMA fighter at 58. And you just realize our, our, yeah, our country is just in a tailspin. It ain't great. Triller, it, ain't, it ain't great. Tr- Triller is hyping the Trump feed as a, quote, no holds barred live alternative commentary. Get the fuck out of here. Just and By the way, the... the 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 Venn diagram is a circle. Let's put over mm. under on ivermectin at five. Over under Trump mentions ivermectin at five. Within within five seconds, uh, five, five times. Five, I mean, five yeah, times. both. Yeah, under five seconds, over five times. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think he can pronounce the word. That's never. Pro- He'll just say horse paste. Yeah, that, you know. My my guess would be that he will mention the steal of the election ten times before he mentions anything related to COVID. And uh, for our next rant, uh, there was a report from the Treasury Department that came out this week that dealt with taxes and the IRS and the revenue that we take in as a country. All of us pay our taxes. We, you know, it's not something I hate. I know it's, the, oh, I hate this day. It's tax day. I got to pay my day. No, it's the, it's the cost of living in this country. We should all be happy to do it because we live pretty good lives even when the country is falling apart. And they came out with this report that said, that the wealthiest 1% are failing to pay $160 billion a year in taxes, which will cost us over a trillion dollars over the next decade. You know what else would have cost us over a trillion dollars in the next decade? Medicare for all. Free community college. Free four-year college. Student loan forgiveness. All of that would have cost us a trillion dollars a year. And instead... Pre-K, pre-K 12 would have been a third of that. A yeah. free, free pre-K. Would free be. pre-K would have been free, free child care tax credits going up. Free child care would have cost less than this. These are things that just show how fucking broken we are as a country. That, And it also shows how the right wing is won. Because the only way to enforce these taxes, which is something Biden is trying to do, he's trying to increase the IRS budget by $80 billion, particularly to focus on enforcement and upgrading their systems. Because this shows how the right wing wins. We saw this during COVID with unemployment benefits. Everyone hates taxes. Can't pay taxes. Can't pay taxes. Can't pay any more in taxes. The rich, well, they'll leave. Can't pay any more in taxes. We, and then all of a sudden, when we need the government, the government's not there. The government is absent because they don't have the funding for it. They don't have the resources for it, and they're absent. And then we all blame the government for being absent. And these are the kind of things where you look at and you go, nothing is going to come from this. As a country... No one is going to pay attention to this. 
No one will notice this. No one will care because at the end of the day, Americans at our core are a bunch of depressed billionaires who are one lottery ticket away from having our ticket punched for the rest of our lives, even though we go and we work our shitty $45,000, $60,000 jobs with no benefits every fucking day, we come back and we go, well, we're one lottery ticket away from being Jeff Bezos. No, you're not. You'll never be Jeff Bezos. You'll never be Elon Musk. You'll never be Warren Buffett. You will never be anyone who is making a million dollars a year because that is not who we are as a country. And the fact that this is existing, as we are seeing the downfall of our government in our country, like we can't respond to COVID in an appropriate way because we don't have the fucking resources. And there is nothing more frustrating than knowing how the conservatives have won because they have taken every worker and turned them against every other worker. It's the old saying where a banker walks into a guy who works in public works and the construction workers. The banker takes 11 cookies out of the 12 and says, watch out, that guy's going to take your fucking cookie. And they've done that and they've succeeded and we are fucked, my friends. Yeah, there is no other take. Now, I mean, it's a huge story on left-wing Bernie AOC Twitter. I mean, I've read it 6,000 times. on, But the Republicans under both Bush and Trump and Trump and also under Obama where they just wouldn't, they would not approve anyone. In any position. They just don't approve people. Biden still has over 180 positions waiting for Senate approval. But because of the weird filibuster rules and the fact that you can kill people in your own state, they're not happening. They've gutted the government. And you're right. And if you remember, do you remember the scandal over the Christmas party that the IRS had? And it cost like $10,000. And this was the end of the world and so the IRS just got gutted and gutted and gutted entirely for this so that we can't we can't enforce it. And by the way, Connecticut's done the exact same thing. They've gotten rid of all of the people who were responsible for sales tax evasion. They've gotten rid of all of the people who who are responsible for this stuff because first of all, nobody like like nobody nobody enjoys a tax collector. There's not a lot of uplifting stories about tax collectors in the Bible except for the guy that climbed the tree, Ezekiel who climbed the tree to see Jesus, but there's not a lot of upbeat stories about tax collectors. It's hard to be in favor of them, but, but but we need to collect taxes. And this is theft of $160 billion. One point, what did you say? One point, no, uh, 1.6 billion per year. It's 160 billion billion per year. It was, by the way, when you expand it out from the top 1% to the top 3%, it becomes $307 billion. And think about all the shit we've heard over from, the great Ronald Reagan about welfare queens who were stealing $40,000 a year, and that became the biggest scandal in the history of mankind. But because the top 3% are all white, rich people, it doesn't matter. Fuck them. That was quite a campaign speech there, Zach. Kudos. So you, you got my vote. You got my donation. That was, that was good shit, and I can't agree more than anything you said. It seems like the whole like, right-wing base is constituted of you know, the have-nots, the lower economic echelon railing about paying taxes, railing about, you know, just all they care about is lower taxes. And then the people that have the upper echelon find ways not to pay taxes. And that seems to be a consistency in, you know, in Republican voters. 
That, 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 went, that went dark too. You, you took me to a dark place. There. Well, it's, it, it's yeah, hard it's to true. Know, truth. It, it is dark. And like, listen, like I'm not a I'm not a full on like leftist socialist. I'm more of a Fabianist, where like I believe that the free market exists and the private and the public sector should simply compete with it, and that way it lowers private sector costs and everyone gets off better. But to our listeners, like brothers and sisters, they have our money. We've got to go fucking take it. Right. We, they have our, that's our money. As Robin Porter says, we know where the money is. It's just a matter of getting the courage yeah, to go we're take being, it. We're being robbed. That is our money. That is our dollars that they have. And that's why they're billionaires. And at some point, we've got to have a reckoning with a fucking guillotine and we got to take our money back. Here, so, <laughs> here. So you should have definitely gone last because <laughs> um, we should go into the commercial from that. But I'm here to talk about, I don't think he's a one percenter, but he's a three percenter. Uh, Roger Goodell makes forty-four million a year. He's a he's a one. Oh, he's a one. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a one. one. It, that's one. It only takes like, I mean, obviously you have to have like revenue and have this for a while. It's only something like one hundred and seventy-eight thousand yeah, dollars a year. It's a one percent. Three 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 twenty is is you're in the one percent. The three hundred twenty thousand. You're in the one. Well, I mean, it all goes to net worth and things like that. But they right. say it's like right around right around the two hundred mark that you you'll so, have. So years. Goodell. Who, who probably spends a lot of his money on crayons and stuff, so maybe he doesn't have it. But $44 million a year. And somehow he manages to do nothing, even when what has to be done is so goddamn painfully obvious that there's nothing to say. Under the collective bargaining agreement, which we talked about last week with the NFL, the commissioner has incredibly broad powers. Do you know what section it is after last week of the contract? Uh, I forgot, four? 46. 46, yeah. I, I knew there was a four name. <laughs> um, he, but anyway, he has incredibly broad powers, and the appeal of those powers goes to him. So it's like, hey, we think you're too powerful. Well, I don't. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and off they go. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson facing 22, count them, 22 allegations in court. From masseuses who he sexually harassed, or or the, the most sexual harassment, also sexual um, assault, assault yeah. who the FBI is w- looking at because the Houston Police Department obviously was Houston's police department, and if they <laughs> right, right. if they can't shoot him with unarmed, they don't want to really deal with it. <laughs> well, we're so, I'm not going to bust this masseuse. <laughs> this is where I go <laughs> on Tuesday. Right, the Robert Kraft rule, and he has decided. He's not going to put them on the commissioner's list. Now, to put him on the, the, the NFL Players Association would not have fought him being on the commissioner's list because he'd be paid. But instead, because the NFL is not paying him for being on the commissioner's list, the Houston Texans, who may win a game this year, they may win one because they play the Jaguars twice. So they may win a game. I could see them beating the Jaguars, but that's it. Like they're going to win one or two games. Have to pay Deshaun Watson. What's he make? $35 million? A lot. Yeah, he makes like 35 36 <laughs> To yeah. sit on the bench and be the subject of every single question, which he refuses to answer, because now the conversation is about, and I heard, I've heard Mina Kimes talk about this, I've heard Lindsey Jones talk about this, and I've heard Bill Simmons do this. Like, you can't be talking about him like he's a normal quarterback and how many first and second round picks can you get from him? That That's inappropriate. Bill Simmons did not have this issue. He chatted with Ryan Rosillo about, you know, do you think he can get three firsts and two seconds for them? You know, well, you know, this is up in the air. Come on, these guys never pay any penalties for their behavior. 
So Simmons is all in on figuring it out, but that should not be where we are. He should be off there, but once again, Goodell has made sure that sexual harassment, sexual assault is part of the NFL's brand. And I don't know. I mean, $44 million bucks. Um, I think any nine-year-old could make this choice. What is the point of the commissioner's exemption list, if not for this? Because there are, there are suspensions, there are penalties for on-field and off-field behavior. We've seen the president said if you hit a woman, you get four games. If you are, you know, if you hit somebody illegally on the field, you get six games. We know how the NFL handles these suspensions. But this is exactly what the commissioner's exempt list is for, where it's kind of this outside the scope of the rules violation. How are they allowing this guy to step foot on a football field in pads? How is it helpful to the NFL? Yeah, they, they talk so much about protecting the shield. Protect the shield. <laughs> <laughs> what are the what are the Texans players? I don't mean to... Yeah, what's, from, what? from a purely competitive football standpoint, and I'm not going to talk about Deshaun Watson's worth, yada, 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 but to these players, the other 52 guys on this team, you've got all of this just... It's essentially just a big salary cap hit. It's all this dead money that's not... They're going to be the worst team in the league. If I'm a player that's going out for an extra game, killing myself, what? why the fuck do I have to play in a lesser sort of competitive scenario because of this fucking asshole? Like what you know what I'm saying? Like this, they, this guy who makes probably twenty five percent of their cash. That's what I'm saying. Think about that. Payroll. I mean, it, 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 he's making a ton of money. He's sitting on the bench, and as you said, they can't become more competitive because that's attack. Because basically, have... they can't cut him because they have to then pay three years worth of dead money all up front. So they can't do it. They should just cut him and say we can't field the team. Mm. Sorry, we can't field the team. So we've cut him. We're going to forfeit every game. We'll see you at, at the draft. And I mean, that would be the smart thing to do. But then, of course, he'll use his retained powers to prevent him from doing it. I think it puts everybody on that roster in like a kind of a compromised situation. It That's like really the fucking coach of that team. For sure. So we'll be talking about another place where the commissioner's exempt list could have come into place uh, had it been in existence at the time. Ray Lewis and the murder in Atlanta. And that will be the story coming up after this message. For a better life, try saying some yummy words. If you're feeling blue, try the fun and fizzy ones. Schnitzel. Papyrus. Echinacea. Vavavoom. If winter makes you crave a little warmth, roll the kitchen words around. Cardamom. Ginger. Pepper pot. Spice. The dangerously alluring words are always fun, as sensual in your mouth as chocolate truffles. Kumquat. Shimmer. Redolent. Dusk. And don't forget the penny words. Small and common. Thanks. Coffee. Hello, love, yummy words. Which one will you choose today? So welcome back. Um, we were here today to discuss the career of Ray Lewis, Hall of Famer, 13-time Pro Bowler, statue recipient. His statue is outside of Raven Stadium. And almost definitely murderer, although that's only alleged by everyone who was involved. Andrew, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? I mean, he's from your favorite university. That's right. Other uh, than UConn. That's right. The U. Lewis, he's a, he's a standout at Miami on some pretty 
lean teams. This is post uh, Johnson, post Erickson, pre Butch Davis, but he's a, he's still a standout on teams that weren't so great. Um, his career as a so basically Ray Lewis on field. Let's just say it. Not only of his era, but of all time, is one of the great defensive players there ever was. The best middle linebacker I've I've seen in my lifetime. One of the best of all, possibly the best of all time. Two eras of Ravens football. He's a he's a Raven for his entire career. He's the backbone of Super Bowl thirty five Ravens team. That is arguably one of the great defenses of all time. He is the best player on that team. Ed Reed. This is oh, hold on. Let, don't <laughs> Ed Reed comes into the league the next year. He's not on that team. Ed Reed and, and Lewis are teammates in 2013 when the Ravens won another Super Bowl. Lewis isn't quite the same player. Reed is the best defensive player on that team 12 years later, but Lewis is still a standout. He, he's a standout on these historically great defenses 12 years apart. It's hard to kind of overstate how good he was. Um, and I think his accolades, like you mentioned, kind of like speak for themselves. I mean, you look at in 21 playoff games, he had 214 tackles, two sacks, six forced fumbles, Two interceptions, 15 pass deflections, 10 and a half tackles for a loss and a touchdown in the playoffs. Like, he was incredible. He certainly, I don't think he's the best middle linebacker ever lived because I, I think both Willie Lanier and Dick Butkus, I'd put ahead of them. But he's the last great middle linebacker because middle linebackers just aren't that important anymore because nobody run people don't run the ball. Luke like, Keekley is the only other guy like recently that's kind of been an important middle linebacker. But yeah, Lewis right. was kind of a... But he could cover the pass. I mean, Lewis, could, Lewis today, like I don't think Dick Buckus could play today. Lewis could play today mm-hmm. and be a star. Those defenses where he was leading them were unbeatable. Like even, even the late in the career, the 2013 Super Bowl, he was still the guy on defense. Like Ed Reed was the best safety Probably in the NFL at the time, but Lewis was still the guy. Lewis is the signal caller. He is a he's, he's the Mike. The Mike. He's revered in Baltimore. Right. He, yeah. Well, obviously with his statue, and yet his legacy is a, is compromised by should be compromised by something that literally no one ever talks about. So Zach, do you want to get into a little bit to the to the Super Bowl? 2000, 2000. It was 2000. 2000. It was in Atlanta. It was a Rams Titans. Yes. It was when, what was it, Dixon? Dyson, Dyson. Dyson was one yard short. Yep. So the night of the Super Bowl, there's this Ray Lewis comes down to party with two of his friends, Oakley and. It's Oakley and Sweeting. Sweeting. So Ray Lewis comes down and he parties with two of his friends, Oakley and Sweetie. They go out uh, the day before the party to a sports authority and buy two knives. Uh, then at the night of the Super Bowl, they're at a club where there is some sort of kerfuffle, and these two gentlemen end up getting stabbed to death. One was stabbed like three times in the heart. Another was stabbed five times. It is a bloody scene. Uh, they leave. There is blood found from one of the victims in Ray Lewis's limousine, and they go home. Ray Lewis was wearing a cream suit that night, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, that is obviously going to be covered in blood. If, if, if you're at a murder, it's going to be covered in blood. The two men killed, just because I'm, I'm kind of a Nazi about this, Richard Lawler and Jacinth uh, Baker, mm-hmm. and it was Lawler's blood that was found Lawler's blood, yeah. in the limo. Yeah, and they go home and about, what was it, a couple weeks Actually, later? Actually, it was Baker's blood. They go back to the hotel and what was it? A couple weeks later, 
they're arrested. Ray Lewis, Oakley, and Sweetie are all arrested uh, for the murder of these two gentlemen, of Lawler and Baker. Ray Lewis ends up spending two weeks in jail, and then we're off to the races in a murder case. And Lewis gets to plea bargain. He Yeah, he plea bargains out that he only... Obstruction of he, justice. Obstruction of justice. That he said he lied to the police and that he told uh, witnesses to shut the fuck up. Right. Those are the two um, things. Those are the two things that he's... He, he also he, left the scene of a murder, but they didn't seem to mention yeah. that. And and he's and he's charged 12 months of probation for this. No one serves any jail time. Right. Well, R- he, well Ray Lewis is the only one that serves actual jail time. Right, he serves two weeks. two weeks. Right. And he's supposed to give testimony against... Sweeney and Baker. Uh, yes. Yeah, They basically Oakley, that's the deal. Yeah. It's, yeah, Sweeney and Oakley. Oakley, I'm sorry. And basically this case kind of runs down, goes through it all, and everyone is found innocent. Um, so there's no justice for these two men who were murdered, uh, Lawler and Baker. And the prosecutor kind of lets them go, and Ray Lewis is then kind of tarred with this a little bit. You would think tarred with this, but in reality – it's kind of forgotten, and it's kind of overlooked, and it's kind of a it, – in his career, it is not a sticking point the way, like, Kobe's rape charge was. It's more like the way of Roethlisberger's rape charge, where it's a footnote in his career, not a story in his career. I mean, literally 12 months later, he's he's the Super Bowl MVP, and I believe he's Defensive Player of the Year. L- literally 12 months after this. And four years later, he's on the cover of Madden. It, you know, I mean, I mean, this is a guy – I mean – those bodies are still decaying, and it's four years later, and he and he's on the cover of Madden, despite the fact that it's clear there was a lot of obstruction going on. There were three women involved: uh, Sincerea Keith, who is Lewis's mother, Kwame King, who's Lewis's friend, and Jessica LaRose Robertson, who was identified only as a woman from Houston who accompanied Lewis. Um, these three women seem to be involved in all sorts of malfeasance on this. In the document, when he was sued in the spring of 2003 for wrongful death, Ray Lewis was, there's a 46-page document uh, as part of the family civil case. This is the only thing we know, really, about any of these charges. That Miss Keith, according to this document, and to be fair, there was no, nobody's cross-examined on any of this. But the reasons nobody's cross-examined on any of this is Lewis paid a great deal of money to, to stop the case. Uh, Ms. Keith instructed Robertson to destroy Lewis's suit. The suit is still missing. She was, as part of Robertson's plea deal, in, and by the way, you want to commit a murder, bring the people to Atlanta. Because the prosecutors in this case seem to be clueless. O- OJ-esque. Yeah, I mean. And, 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 and <laughs> by the way, a question for you guys on this. Do you think, because Ray Lewis in the civil suit ends up paying a lot of money in a memoir he writes, which the balls, the balls on this guy to write a memoir and openly write about a fucking murder he was a part of, allegedly. We follow the Star Jones rule here at uh, the Bill Bradley Collective. It, But also really. But also, yeah, really. But he... That's a Norm Macdonald rule. But he's he's charged, and he paid out, and he says, I didn't pay them out of guilt. I paid them out of sympathy and love. Except he fought like hell against his case. Yeah, but do, do, you think, do you think this was a guy that looked at, like, the O.J. murder case, where O.J. gets off on murder, which Lewis, Lewis was, and then gets fucked in this— not fucked, because he got properly adjudicated in the civil, civil suit, 
where he has to pay out all this money to Nicole Brown's family. Do you think Ray Lewis looked at that and went, I'm not paying millions of dollars? Because it would have been millions of dollars. Well, the other thing is... Yeah. Do you, he, do you, but do you think Lewis looked at that case and that was well, what guided I, I, his defense? I think you look at it, and, and he lost Disney as a, as a uh, sponsor. He lost a couple sponsors over this who then came back to him because there was no cost anymore to going back to him. He probably looked at this and said, like, I'm going to make more money in endorsements going forward than I'm going to pay these people. You know, I mean, what's like if he paid them $20 million each, he's making that up in endorsements in three years. The Madden cover. The, yeah, the line, the quote you read from Lewis there, that sounds like he's you know, trying to, you know, seek martyrdom. Like, I, you know. I didn't do yeah, and, and I didn't do it. And Andrew, you have, I, you, you have a great quote. You should read here about when when he is approached about well, this murder. Do we want to do we want to go Let, fast forward that far ahead? Sure, or? well, yeah, fast okay. forward because we okay. can go okay. back and forth in time. Well, we mentioned how he's uh, Lewis plays on two Super Bowl teams, twelve years apart, uh, and in 2013, and this is kind of the twilight of Lewis's career. Again, we've stated he's still the the emotional leader of this Ravens defense. He's still a, he's still a top player. But if anybody's ever watched like a like a Super Bowl pregame show, and I hope you haven't watched one start to finish because they're like ten hours long, the network has a lot of air to fill, and they fill that air with a lot of interviews. And one of the interviews before Super Bowl Forty Seven between the Ravens and Niners is with Lewis, and it is conducted by his former teammate, teammate from his first Super Bowl team, Shannon Sharp. And essentially, Sharp asks him, he says, "How do you cope with the idea that these families are kind of resent the fact that you're this?" the star that he is, the star that we've described him as. And Lewis is a guy that he, and it always gets me, it makes me just uncomfortable, but he's very openly God this, God that. Yeah, he goes very religious. Very religious. And his answer to Sharp's inquiry is essentially, he says, quote, God has never made a mistake. That's just who he is, you see. To the family, the, the families of the victims, if you knew, if you really knew the way God works, he don't use people who commits anything like that for his glory. That is just really troubling. It's almost like he's trying to, he's like pointing the fingers at the family. Like you have no right to resent me and my fame and success when, guess what, man? Blood in your limousine. We can't find this suit. That's The suit disappears. It's covered in there's, he's fucking involved in this thing, and, and you talk about he is. you talk in about some, mar, you talk about martyrdom. That's a martyrdom. Oh, for quote. sure. Because it, that is that is him saying, "I'm giving myself." God, a, God yeah. wouldn't have given me these talents to lead this team. God wouldn't have let me become the best NFL player if I had committed the murder. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Hey, hey, if you if you've read the Old Testament. God deals in some fairly shady characters. God turned a man <laughs> to salt for looking at him. <laughs> It was his wife. He runs that Christian thing pretty hard. Um, and I don't mean to say that Christian thing in a dismissive manner. And if it can't, oh, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's effusive. From Lewis, it is effusive. It's, if it came, in current context. context. If, it came out of that, if it came out that way, it's just because I meant it that way. But uh, <laughs> I feel bad about that. But in, in Lewis's Wikipedia page, you get about four paragraphs down, and it says, Lewis is a Christian. That's the first sentence, shit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> then the second and third paragraph is about his son who played for the University of Miami and then transferred to Coastal Carolina, as people often do. Yeah, yeah. And then a Coastal Carolina was uh, kicked off the team because he had been arrested for sexual assault. And he also got away off, 
got away from it. I don't know any the details about this. Maybe it was deserved or not. But he has a bit of a troubling history. So, Zach, the suit's a big deal because he claimed that he hired uh, this. A, a cleaner. Well, he, he said he, he told Jessica Robertson to keep track of his clothes because he was going to Hawaii because back then the Pro, Pro Bowl, Bowl was the week after. Yeah. And so part of the deal she makes for complete immunity is to turn over the clothes. And she turns over all his clothes, but not the suit. The suit was missing. And I believe in the civil suit, it comes out that they dropped it off at a fast food restaurant. A, a dumpster. dumpster. Yeah. Yes, they threw it in a dumpster at a fast food restaurant, which was ultimately then confirmed by Oakley's book that no one's ever read. Uh, because I think, you, I, I think you have to write it personally <laughs> to get it. And, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's just printed in a notebook. On the, on the suit, it's... The suit is such an important part of this case because it is basically the key piece of evidence that ties Lewis to this murder. Smoking gun. Because if you're wearing a white suit and somebody gets murdered around you, there's going to be blood on you. And that's why probably why they found blood in the limo. But nobody could ever prove this. It's, It's not an accident. That this suit is never seen again. Right. And then, that's not by mistake. And, and, and there's a great quote, I believe it's by Baker's uncle, who says, why would this go missing? Right. If it wasn't exactly. a part of the case, why is this missing? Right. And Ed, Ed Garland, who was Lewis's lawyer, said the prosecutors didn't do the things they needed to do to get access to the suit. So what they didn't do... It was do, destroyed! They, yeah, well, yeah, but, but it seemed to be destroyed. Like The fact that they let him go home and spend... Like, there was no question Ray Lewis was there. The fact that they didn't tighten tie everything down that night indicates, A, incompetence, and B, as we talked about in our live episode at, at the draft choice, the incredible privilege celebrity gets you in this country. The prosecutor should have made sure that they had access to that coat within an hour. Like, that's it wasn't tricky. Lewis's defense... In his defense, he says, in his book, he says he was wearing $250,000 worth of clothing that day, which he said was proof he wasn't looking you for stand, a fight. You, you stand off on the sidelines, and then gangbangers come up. He he refers to the the two men that are gentlemen, Lawler and Baker, who died, as gangbangers. Right. And listen, they might have been completely wrong on this. We don't know. Chances of Lewis picking on them are probably slim, but... Lewis's hotel room, they find Lewis's blood on his pillowcase and his robe, and he said those are old football injuries. Uh, no, he said he said the the blood on the pillow was, was an old football, football was an old football head injury, which is by the way, are you just bleeding from the head constantly? <laughs> like what kind of fucking defense is that? Are you just you're constantly bleeding? Jesus, man, you should and be said, playing and the NFL. And he couldn't explain why it was on the rope. Yeah, and he oh, I don't know why it's on the rope. Well, gee, if you're bleeding all the time, <laughs> So they gave full testimony to Robertson, who they never call, because they discover she had burned some pictures of the group, so they don't trust her. But they don't take the immunity away, so she just skates. Lewis, I don't, like, his testimony couldn't have been that compelling because Oakley and Sweeney just walk away uh, because they can't, like, it was a mess. Like, there was a lot of people involved. It was kind of a mess. But one thing that was known is that Lewis told everybody to get in the car, shut up, and, and take off in the limo. Because there were 11 people in that group. Um, you know, and, he, and and no one questions that. 
So how he got two weeks for obstruction of justice in a murder case seems a little surprising. Do you guys think, moving on to his legacy that this has caused, because this is, you know, this is somebody that is enshrined kind of in the NFL. He has a statue outside Baltimore Ravens Stadium. He's a Hall of Famer, which, by the way, Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame is 25 miles away from where Lawler and Baker are, are buried. No shit. Wow. 25 miles. Yeah. They are wow. within spitting distance of their potential murderer's oh, glory. Lenny Dykstra spitting distance. Lenny Dykstra spitting distance. <laughs> who will probably be our next, who will probably be our next uh, social, uh, hell, hell criminal, yeah. criminal justice. Hell yeah, sports. we're getting to Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> Car wash but entrepreneur. You, but yeah. like, do you guys think that. This is one of the first cases of the NFL kind of battening the hatches and closing the ranks behind a player. I was, I'm glad you said what you just said. I, you know, this, this is, this murder occurs. This is hours after the Super Bowl, the, the league's zenith. Do they really want the story to be Ray Lewis or do they want it to be what, you know, Kurt Warner and the, the goal line play with Kevin Dyson? I gotta think, I have to think at some point that night, the NFL gets word of this that, that Lewis is in custody and, and and there's a fixer there or there's something. I and it's it's like it sounds conspiratorial, but the NFL had to have had some. I, I you can't convince me they weren't like involved that night in kind of no. The, I, I guarantee you their attorneys were contacted and they were there immediately like that, and they took over the case. Like it's just like yeah, you, I you, refuse to believe otherwise. Right, I mean. Honestly. Because it was too smooth. I mean, yes, he's a famous athlete in Atlanta. But in Atlanta, he's probably also just another black guy. Um, and, and the whole league is, like, descended upon Atlanta Super Bowl week, too. Right. You know, he's, uh, on, you know, right. he's a pro bowler, but he's one of many that's that are there in the city. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, we've seen players arrested the night of the Super Bowl. Um what was the guy for uh, uh, Lofton was? Uh, well, there's Eugene Robinson Eugene got busted Ro- with a hooker the night before. Right, Lofton <laughs> did too. Uh, really? Before a Super Bowl, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the night before. So, Lewis, um, there was a an attempt to get the statue taken down. 75,000 fans signed it. Wow. After he knelt for the... When all the when that weekend and all the players yeah, all the players knelt yeah. because uh, Lewis criticized Colin Kaepernick for kneeling. By the way, Ray Lewis still part of the NFL world. Colin Kaepernick has been accused of doing nothing but complaining about police violence. Excluded from. I mean, every time you do this and you realize Goodell has has wa- accepted people back from domestic violence issues from murder. But you you can't cost you can't they they didn't cost him a dollar on the bottom line. Copernick threatened the do- bottom line. Um, he has a bourbon distribution company, and he made Ray's reserved, and he saved the first two bottles for Donald Trump and Mike Pence, neither of whom drink, which is probably good for them. Uh, for this, can you imagine the drunk Donald Trump? Jesus. <laughs> oh, he was in 2019, Dancing with the Stars, which I believe is the same year as, uh, was that the same year as Sean Spicer? It, it is, and by the way, also an ESPN affiliate, ABC. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, or a, 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 a Disney affiliate. But part of the ESPN family. For sure. So he has just not, like, it's just not mentioned with him. Do you think, 
there is a reason why it's not mentioned, or is this something that just is so clear that they know simply talking about it casts a black eye? You know, Lawrence Taylor didn't kill anybody, but he did a lot of fucked up shit. But Lawrence Taylor is also like, kind of like Lewis, this like mythical figure in the NFL's history. Lewis is a step below Taylor. I'm not, and I think, and I believe also they've they've held Taylor in an arm's length in ways. The the league, yes. The Giants. No, I mean, he gets invited back for everything. Yeah, yeah. The, the, le- the league has the Giants have um, right. The, yeah, the, maybe, maybe, the Maras haven't. Yeah, maybe that's right. And it's hard it's, to tell the difference. It's oddly just swept under the, and I, I can't put my finger on it. I, I think it's because sports writers love guys who are a yeah. always willing to be interviewed. Ray was always willing to be interviewed. B had that like wild enthusiasm that they like. That the person Ray Lewis reminds me of the most. He's Pete Rose. He was a grinding self-promoter, just self-promoted constantly. Like, he knew where the cameras were when he was doing that stuff. And oh, when he was doing that dance in the, yeah. dance in the round on the sidelines? Yeah. yeah, he knew exactly where the cameras were. Right. I mean, all of that, sports writers just eat with a spoon because they say, well, that's the way I would be. I'd be that guy. I'd be super enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Lewis wasn't a remarkable athlete by, by NFL standards. He was a remarkable player by NFL standards. And I just think that that that's a lot of it. And also, they just, you know what, I think a lot of white reporters at that time said, yeah, they're probably gangbangers. And they got killed, and good, we're better off without them. Well, here, here's the main question, I guess, for all of us here, because we, we tend to focus on the victims of the crime, not the people who enacted the crime. Do you think these families will ever receive justice? No. No, no, and I'm not sure what justice no. looks yeah, like. They received yeah. a big check, and I think that's they, right. Like what yeah, they just... received, they received a check. When you take the check and agree, I, th- I, I actually read this in my notes. When you take the check and then agree that we'll never discuss anything again, you can't then complain I didn't get justice. Like you made that agreement. Yeah, all these you ki- you, you put a dollar amount. On all that these life. all these fathers with Michael Jackson, all these parents with Michael Jackson's victims. These little kids that went to be on a you know on a roller coaster in his yard and got fondled to the surprise of literally no one, they can't come back now and complain and say, well, you know, there's a lot I'd like to talk about the Michael Jackson, but I took the check, so I can't do it. Once you take the check, you've made that decision. You know, my guess is that neither guy covered themselves in glory in in this case, but the reality is they were murdered at very young ages, 24 and 21. No one has ever gone to jail for their crime. And the person who was the only reason anybody was there, you know, from the, from who was involved in the murders, because Ray Lewis brought him there. And he has not suffered one tiny little bit. No, he's been revered. Yep. And with that, we will not be going to Baltimore to do our next episode. Well, I'm sure we'll be back here in the Levy Nadelberg compound on the Bill Bradley Collective. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Bradley Collective. If you enjoyed today's episode, please smash that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook at the Bill Bradley Collective. We'll see you all again next week.